live from Romania. This is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 373. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. Listen to the end credits for more information on joining. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Don. Yeah. Hey, Cash. Yeah. 373? Yeah. We're getting a little close to 400. Are we going to have like some sort of, you know, festive extravaganza I don't to know. We, commemorate we, such a milestone? Let's bring in a tuba. <laughs> hey, that's an idea. Yeah, there you go. You know, uh, since I've been uh, announcing, you know, to listen to the end credits to join in the front instead of the back, we have literally doubled our membership. Huh. We went. We have about 143 people right now who have paid 10 bucks. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> So, I have a follow-up on the, um, three weeks ago now, uh, when we were talking about how to ship things for eBay, and, uh, I have Dan VD, I shouldn't say VD, his, his last name is Van Dyke, I don't, I don't want to have anything weird <laughs> going on. So, Dan, he sent an actual package, and he sent, uh how he ships his items. And I thought it was interesting because he uses a normal envelope. Then he uses like a pink cardstock. Yeah, heavy, almost cardstock, really heavy paper. Yeah. Very heavy paper. And then he has a little strip, you know, like one and a half inches by eight inches, which says, you know, it says uh, packing slip for, and then it gives the description. Many thanks for the terrific day, Dan. And I'll give him a shout out. Check him out. Check out his uh, eBay and his hip stamp store. Uh, his seller name is DDAANNV. Hmm. So buy all his stamps. He's a good guy. At least he appears to be a good guy and he's a good listener. And uh, so that. And that's the key to the good relationship. Yes. And I have another one. And this was weird because. Uh, here at PSE, we've been dealing with Liberty Philatelic for years. You know, they send stuff in. I know them personally and everything like that. I bought an item. It was shipped. And it's from him. And I had no clue it was him. And so I'm going to give a shout out to Liberty Philatelic. Now, Liberty Philatelic. His eBay stamp store is named U-B-Y stamps. And it's like, well, no wonder. <laughs> what does U-B-Y have anything to do with Liberty Philatelic? But anyway, so he sends his stuff and he has a little card made. And I'm going to say this is like a two and a half by four inch card. And he puts this inside of it. And it basically says Liberty Philatelic. Then it gives the address. Enclosed is your order, thank you, and then it has a bunch of words that I'm not going to bother to read, but it's an interesting little way 
to identify himself. And, uh, oh, Dan VD. Uh, you weren't going to do that. I know, I know. I know. He, he sent a letter along with it. And it says, uh, I've sent probably 20,000 stamp sales this way and never had a problem. And uh, the trifold is a 64-pound paper. It costs six to eight cents a sheet. Costco number 10 envelope, discount postage, easy and efficient. And then at the end, he says, love your podcast. Thank you very much for listening, Dan. So uh, that's just a follow-up. Thank you very much, everybody, for your feedback. Um, At lunch today, Jim Forty showed us some certificates that a person called PSG Professional Stamp Grading is uh, doing, and they have a stamp, uh, number C11, which is grade 75, and I'm trusting that, you know, they follow the grading guidelines, so it's probably a grade 75. But a C11 grade 75, how much do you think that's worth? Uh, I think it's maybe uh, five ten dollars. Oh, I think ten dollars is way too much. I think yeah. your five dollars is probably correct, and uh, it shows it on eBay for sixteen ninety five, reduced from nineteen ninety five. So uh, I got it because you know this is done by a company which does comic art and cards. And they're also grading stamps, so it's like. Well, well, what's interesting is that the certificate is has an expiration date. It's only good for ninety days, and uh, and I assume it's only good for uh, returning the stamp because he says that. Um, um, well, no, I'm sorry. It, it's a six month guarantee, not ninety days, but um, and and so you can return the stamp with the certificate to get your money back, but if you wait past 30 days there's a restocking fee so i'm not sure what a restocking fee would be on a on a 15 dollars stamp but uh it, it it seems like he's just certifying his own stamps he's not um he's not uh advertising a service that he is providing to other you know other people that sort of is what it looks like to me because there are and me and mark uh, jim i'm sure you've seen some of them and Don, probably uh, the dealer certificates that are issued, and there's a number of them out there, different people who do them. A lot of times they're just, if you return this stamp, if you find it's wrong, then I will stand behind the certificate. But when it's actually a certificate, yeah, that's... It, Certificates have different value to different people based on what they're meaning to accomplish. And uh, having a person certify their own stamps is a uh, kind of no-no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be called a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. To say the least. Yes. <laughs> so... We went to uh, Sescal, the Sescal Stamp Show. Yes, I'm still basking in the afterglow. Yes. (laughs) And Jim didn't go, but I'm sure Don wish he had because uh, we visited a bunch of friends from uh, California. Mm. 
Shout out to Stan and Katrina out there. And uh, hey. <laughs> I love Stan and Katrina. Yes. Anyway, so Seskal moved to the Glendale Convention Center. I think in the last podcast I said Van Nuys because I wasn't exactly sure where it was. But it they charged $6 for parking, which... Per day, yeah. Per day, which I always like, eh, you're not supposed to charge parking, you know. But but they didn't charge to enter the show. Right. So the show was free. But how would you ca- uh, categorize the show? It was small uh, compared to what I expected. Um, and as I understand it, previous Sescals were larger. So I'm not sure if this is just a uh, uh, still recovering from the COVID aftermath or not. But... Um, uh, I was able to still successfully buy stamps, um, but uh, but the the pickings were limited. Yeah, yeah. Seskal was always a destination show. You know, people flying in from all over the country, and uh, there was were there any East Coast people? I don't think there was any East Coast people. Well, for years it was at the um, it was right by um, LAX. Yeah. And then even when um, it moved to Ontario, you have Ontario Airport, which is not far away. Yep. Where's the airport in Glendale? Yeah, Van Nuys Airport. But again, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was, in my opinion, it was a well-put-together club show, in my opinion. And we, I remember going to the Glendale Convention Center probably, you know, 10 years ago, all the time. I mean, they always had stamp shows there. It was a good venue for it. And, but, you know, they had, I think they had 12 dealers. Right, yeah. And that's not a national show. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty limited. Uh, yeah. But the weather was nice. Um, there was a food truck outside selling hamburgers for $18, but... Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and cups of coffee for $5. Right. Got to pay for the gas for the food truck, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, you got some cool stuff that we're going to discuss today. Yeah, I uh, I stopped by uh, Steve Sims' booth, and uh, um, he is a specialist in fancy cancels and uh, newspaper issues. And uh, he has a, uh, a vast collection of... Um, of uh, facsimile or, or counterfeit newspaper stamps, and he's put together um, pages of, of the various types that were created, and so I bought a few from him. Uh, they're, they're really interesting uh, forgeries from Germany, uh, and they're very convincing. And, uh, and we talked about them, and, and these, um, these facsimiles, they were not created to fool collectors, out of, or to, to cheat collectors out of money, they were they were created uh, contemporaneous, uh, contemporaneously, um, like around 1884. They were issuing uh, uh, counterfeits uh, or um, facsimiles for stamps that were newspaper stamps that were issued in 1875. I'm talking about the the smaller newspapers, not the large format. Um, and the 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 reason they did that is because at the time the people that were making stamp albums. Uh, wanted to make the stamp albums nice and beefy, so they added pages for newspaper stamps. But you know, you couldn't find any. And as a as a novice collector, you wanted to fill the space. And so these German companies would create these um, these facsimiles that you can buy fairly inexpensively, 
They're nice and colorful, and you can fill the space. Well, the one right there on top I thought was really cool because it's the original sales page from Germany of these. I mean, it's literally uh, got all the advertisement of the person who is selling them. Right. And again, you know, uh, these were sold to collectors to fill a book. They actually say facsimile on them. Right. They're overprinted facsimile um, in black, which is nice. The letters are kind of small. Um, but Steve says that there are some that were released that did not have that overprint on them. Um, but still, the, the, um, the printing itself uh, has the word Falsch uh, in, incorporated in the design, although it's very, very small. Um, and you, you kind of need a magnifying glass to see it on some of them. But the colors are very convincing. They're very close to the original colors. So, um, uh, you know, they could, they could fool you. Without the, without the black facsimile overprint, um, they could easily fool uh, the average collector. Well, one of the things that occurs is that, you know, sometimes the people will try to erase the word facsimile. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to. I right. mean, basically, they can't. Yeah, they'll put a fake But you'll have a it. big yeah. fake cancel yeah. over the top of it <laughs> to sort of hide it or a bar across it. So if you ever see a newspaper stamp with a really heavy cancel going through like the bottom third of the stamp, you got to sit back and say, is this obliterating uh, the word facsimile? Or I've also seen them false. Mm-hmm. False, false in German. And uh, what other ones do you have there? Because you have three pages. Right. Uh, basically, um, uh, this one is the, uh, is the first uh, issues, the, the, um, uh, the uh, thin paper issues. And then I've got another one, which is uh, PR 57 to 79, which is the, the thicker paper issues. And then the, uh, um, the higher uh, denominations, PR 81 to 89. Um, so they are, uh, they're, they're really nice. And there's a, there's a lot of different versions made. Uh, most of them are made by a, 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 an outfit called Senf, S-E-N-F. Um, but, uh, but there were others. And um, there was a, there's a guy named Doc Pepper who puts out a, a series of four books on newspaper stamps. And, uh, and on one of his books is about these facsimiles. Um, Doc Pepper, uh, I believe he's, he's online. You can get the books for, I think they're priced at $15 a piece, although... I bought all four, and I got a discount price for for all four of them. But they're uh, they're very interesting books. One is on facsimiles. One is on the newspaper proofs. One is on newspaper forgeries. These were these were made to fool collectors. And then there's one on the regular issues. Yeah, Doc Pepper, the authority. Uh, he also has the census on the large newspaper stamps of used ones, because. Uh, they were very rare. They very rarely got into the hands of collectors because it was more of an accounting piece of paper. And so finding used large newspaper stamps is very difficult. The small ones, generally speaking, what they would do is they would have a book. And when you paid, they'd put the stamps in the book and then cancel the stamps in a book. And there's been a handful of books that have hit the market and had all the stamps soaked yeah, out of them. because the books were kept by the 
post office, I believe. Yeah, and then right. burnt or thrown away yeah. afterwards. But the large format ones were actually stuck on the bundles of newspaper. Not even on bundles. It was like burlap sacks and stuff like that. They were they were attached to whatever, however the stamp or the newspapers were deposited to the post office. So their survival rate was incredibly small because they wouldn't even be on the newspapers. They'd be on, like I said, the burlap bag that the newspapers came in. So uh, the the ones that came out of the books, there's a handful of books from a handful of cities. Now, these books had a lot of stamps in them. I mean, these were big books full of stamps. But most of the stamps that are seen on the market came out of these books. They didn't come from piece uh, newspapers where, you know, the top newspaper in the bundle had a stamp on them or something. That's not how it worked. So very interesting. Yeah, check out Doc Pepper online. Any last words on newspaper stamps there? I mean, you are one of the national experts on this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I dabble in them. But uh, but yeah, to... to uh, to be an expert on newspaper stamps, it's uh, it's it's painstaking. Yep, yep. Well, speaking about painstaking, uh, I got an email from Mark Horn. Shout out to you, Mark, up in Alaska. Uh, he writes about a person who had a Romania collection, and the collection, you know, the person took it to some people. They said, oh, it's Romania. It's not worth anything. It's junk. And so then he goes, oh, okay. And, you know, but before he threw it away, he goes, eh, I'm going to check with one more person. And he checked with another person and sent some stuff. And it had major holding of like perf laws and foldovers and a lot of varieties. I mean, this was just an in depth variety book with many stamps and catalog many hundreds of dollars and uh his original people all said that it was you know junk and i think that's one of the problems with uh stamp collecting when you go to certain dealers and uh they just are used to like romania romania 99 percent of it is junk right yeah if you're not specializing in it you you just assume eh. You know, you don't you don't give it any value. Yeah, a person. Uh, I was manning the at Sescal. I was manning the stamps in the attic, and what stamps in the attic is is uh, people find stamps and they bring it into the stamp show, and you don't have them go to the dealers necessarily because the dealers, you know, have a vested interest in negotiating price and stuff. So you send them to the stamps in the attic person, who was me. And, you know, we will tell them, you know, what we think it's worth and then direct them to the proper dealers because, you know, like this person walked in, he had a Romania collection. And it was half mint and half CTO, canceled order. And what canceled order is, is Romania sells cat stamps. And they want to sell them to all the cat stamp collectors. Well, they don't want those stamps coming back to Romania and being used on the mail. So they cancel them. They put a postmark on them all so they can't be reused. But they're still full gum, never hinged. Yeah, full gum, never hinged with a cancel on it. Um, so those are kind of valueless. I mean, not valueless, but low value. No significant value to them. But then half of them were mint, never hinged. 
that was collectible. And he had a full banker box. And I said, you know, it's worth about 100 bucks. They're all from the, like the 1970s. The half that are CTO are really cheap, you know, whatever, 20 bucks for half the box. And the other half the box is 80 bucks. And so then I suggested he go over to uh, Jim Dempsey. Shout out to you, Jim. I know you're not a listener. But, uh, you know, Jim Dempsey ended up giving him 125 bucks. But he beforehand went to a person who, you know, valued him at zero. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's this sort, same sort of thing with Romania. You know, you got to go to the right person. So have you ever seen anything like that? Any, I mean, we see these in auctions every so often. but Yeah, we make fun of like uh, UN collections and that type of thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's, depending on the person that you're talking to, there could be plenty of value. Well, you bring up UN, there was a UN collection in a banker box. Actually, it was two banker boxes filled with UN and nobody wanted it. And Ray Martin, he bought it. There was a C3A color variety sheet in it that was worth like Fifteen hundred dollars. It was just buried in all this. I'm not going to say worthless, but close to worthless. <laughs> I mean, we we joke all the time that uh, you know a person will have a box and it's like a you know they want a hundred dollars for it, and the person offers them fifty, and they say, "Well, wonder if I should throw in this UN with it." And they go, "That does not add value to this box." <laughs> So uh, just a warner out, warning out there of uh, people. I know if, if everybody who listens to this show is going to be a stamp collector. I mean, I, if you're not a stamp collector and you're listening to the show, hats off to you. But, you know, realistically, there's better things to listen to. <laughs> so what, what do you do in your spare time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I listen to paint drying. <laughs> <laughs> So, anything else? Anybody got any uh, last words on Sescal? Uh, yeah, I, I uh, whenever I go to stamp shows, I what I've typically done is um, I go to my eBay store, and there's a uh, there's a, a section in your store that where you can select time away. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And the um, and, and the idea of this is that you you say okay, um, either I'm going to suspend my items from being sold while I'm away, or I will still allow my items to be sold. But there will be a message uh, posted any time you click on one of my items that, say, that says this seller is away until and then they'll put in the date mm -hmm. um, and there'll be a delay in, in, in receiving. And so uh, I thought we thought that was a good idea to to still allow sales, but but have the message show up. Um, as it turns out, uh, I didn't notice this before, but um, I, I think it's something that they just changed where when you when you put your stuff on time away, your items your buy it now items disappear from search and oh. uh when they disappear from search basically your sales stop because most people that are that are uh, buying stamps on ebay they use search they yeah. don't just you know go to a go to a section and and, and start looking so um uh so yeah that's uh I, i'm i'm definitely not going to be using time away anymore um but uh but yeah that's a that's a cautionary tale um, and then there's there's other arguments for not using things like time away because 
basically if somebody is monitoring your account and you you know and you put your items on time away that uh, that tells people oh this guy's not going to be in his house yeah so uh, <laughs> you know this is a great opportunity to to rummage around <laughs> so um so yeah that's uh, that's just something I noticed um, uh, uh, during my trip to the Sescal. Um, I was uh, I was shocked and, uh, and and alarmed that that had happened. Well, I ship slow. I, I admit it. I'm a show. Sl- I'm a slow shipper. Um, as a matter of fact, I just bought some Mad Magazine stuff because I want to do a Mad Magazine stamp exhibit, a one frame, and uh, I bought stuff, and then you know I sold stuff, and I'm going to be doing shipping like today and tomorrow. And I've already gotten the stuff <laughs> that I bought. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man, you know, I, I'm that slow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, yeah, it, it, when I used to do it, it would just be, you know, don't expect it this Tuesday. You know, I do shipping on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. And uh, don't expect it this Tuesday because I'm just getting back or something like that. But, I'm still taking offers. I'm still in communication. I'm still answering everybody. So yeah, that's uh, that's enlightening. I I I don't use it, but now I won't use it. Yeah, it's never dissuaded me from purchasing anything when I see that notice pop up that the seller is away for a few days, whatever. Um, I still go ahead because. If it ships two or three days later, it doesn't matter all that much if you want the item. So I don't know what the advantage would be unless you're going to be away for a month or something. Yeah, if you're away for... But then again, you know, I use 6-bit. Yeah. If I'm away for a month, I'll just pull down all my lots. I'll end everything. And then when I come back, I'll put it all back up again. But, I mean, that's one of the benefits of 6-bit. Right. Uh, yeah. I, well, actually, one of the one of the decrements to the time of, uh, of way is that, um, or to decrements of not using it, is if you are a, um, if if you have uh, like right right now I'm a, I'm on the above average ranking. Yeah, you, right. I, yeah, that's I what think, killed yeah. me last time that right. we talked about. Well, if you're higher than above average, I can't remember what the what the one above above average is, but uh, it's basically. To achieve that rank, you have to um, ship, uh, you know, very quickly. Oh, it, it's more than that, actually. To yeah. become an actual power seller, yeah, you've got above average and you have power seller after that. To be a power seller, you have to ship quickly. But you basically have to ship everything using eBay tracking. Right. And that's too expensive. I, I will never be a power seller. I mean, I still, it's weird because I still hit power seller sometimes. But it's not a goal by any stretch of the imagination right. for me. Uh, the one, like I was talking about last month, and I just got it, cor- well, not corrected, but, you know, it lasts for a month, and then the next month they reevaluate. So I got reevaluated, and I'm back up to above average. But when I was below standard, which is you're above average, or you're below standard. There's right. no average. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's either you're acceptable or you're unacceptable. Um, I ended up paying about 180 bucks in additional eBay commissions because when you're below standard, uh, they charge you a 7% uh, 
penalty. And that penalty is 7%. Now it was much lower. It was like 3%. At 3%, it was like, oh, I don't want to pay 3%, so, you know, I'll do this. At 7%, it's like, holy crap. <laughs> right. but, but the reason I went below standard was I was gone. And eBay refunded, and I know everybody heard this story, eBay refunded without my input three um, shipments, which had a total of 12 items in it. So I had 12 I'm using finger quotes, strikes against me. And so those 12 strikes put me to below standard, or below, and that meant that I had to pay that extra 7% commission. 7% commission over a month is about 180 bucks. And those 12 items that they refunded were a total of maybe, maybe 45, 50 bucks, because they were all cheap stuff. So for 45 bucks, I would have, and I do, I, you know, I just refund everything now. Because if I refund, if I don't refund 45 bucks worth of stuff, they're going to charge me 180 bucks. No. But I don't think that the away from the computer would have helped me there. Right, yeah. But yeah, if, if, you're, if you don't invoke time away and you sell something and you don't ship it on time, then... Um then eBay, um, you know, hits you, you know, in in that yeah. category. So, uh, you well, know, if you're at the high level, you could fall to above above average or something. Well, my shipping, worst case scenario, you buy something after four o'clock on Thursday. It's not going to be shipped till Tuesday. So you got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, six days. Mm -hmm. That's the worst case scenario. I have seven business days that I ship within seven business days, not seven actual days. So everything gets shipped in seven business days. So I don't get hit by that. You know, people may have to wait for mm -hmm. six days plus postage. So, you know, you may buy it Thursday night and not get in until when th the next Thursday, you know, a week later. But... I don't run afoul of eBay. Right, because you, you advertise ahead of time that, right. you, that you're don't ship quickly. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to ship quickly. I mean, I'm, I'm selling six, eight, ten dollar stuff, you know. It's, if there there's an old saying in marketing, you know, low prices, high quality, great service. Choose two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and for me, I choose low prices. Because I do price low. High quality. I don't sell high quality, but I describe everything. I mean, if it's got a crease, I put it in the description. It has a crease. And so, you know, people, when they get my stuff, they know if it's going to have a fault. It's not like, oh, this stamp has a fault. It's sending it back. I never get returns. Everything I send out is correctly uh, described. But... You gotta wait. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so you know, you don't get all three of them. And you know, there there are a lot of people who say, "Oh, I bought this two dollar item. I haven't received it." And it's like, well, I ship on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, just that's me and you. Yeah. We, we have we have different business like <laughs> business plans. I mean, Jim, I know you. You don't do the volume, but you give great service. 
Yeah, I think it. Uh, Mark and I have talked about this because Mark has a very high end or a higher point of sale than most of us do when we're selling online. Um, and it's based on quality and service. And, you know, that's that's okay. I mean, that's a business plan. Um, we were talking at lunch about selling covers on eBay. And my, um, my experience, I started looking in the dollar boxes and selling, trying to sell things at $5. And, you know, you can generally do that. You can pull out. 20 covers and put them on eBay at $5 a piece and you'll sell maybe 30% of them. So maybe six, seven covers and um, you make your money. Um, the alternative to that is uh, you buy a $1,000 cover and sell it for $2,000 and you make a lot of money. But it's harder to find that buyer because people will take a fly on $5 cover, especially if it's something like what you were talking about, where you want a specific stamp, you want it on a first day cover because you're doing a display and, or a, a, a dis, I'm sorry, I'm losing the word. Exhibit. Exhibit, thank you. <laughs> you're, you're doing an exhibit, so you need the stamp, but um, you you'd pay $5 for it, even though you might be able to find it in a dollar box somewhere uh, if you're out just shopping around. So I think that that's just two different ways of looking at marketing. I'd like to talk just a minute about uh, first day covers for all our cover collector listeners. And um, because this was a very interesting conversation we had on U.S. first day covers and to some extent foreign covers. I know, Kaz, you do uh, a lot of Philippine first days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there, there are a lot of people who collect first day covers for topics or for a particular stamp. You know, like I would be interested in the Nevada stamps that maybe have first day covers postmarked in Nevada or something like that for my Nevada collection or something like that. So it's it's not um, a uh, hobby or it's not a portion of the hobby where somebody's trying to get every U.S. stamp that they can find on a first day cover. That's probably, there's no, nobody collects it that way. They'll either collect the stamp or they'll collect the topic. And um, what makes the difference between, and we were talking about catalog price that came up, and I said, are you using the Scott catalog? Yes. Well, you know, you go to the Scott catalog for 1950s on, basically, unless, the high, unless it's a high-value stamp. If it's just a standard stamp, it's a dollar. That's their catalog price, which is kind of like the set minimum price for a stamp in the Scott catalog. Um, but you might see those sell for 5 or $10, depending on the cachet. So, so, well, like I was talking, I was selling ship covers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's the USS Abraham Lincoln. And it won't even sell to a stamp collector. It'll sell to a person who likes Abraham Lincoln. Right. Or my other favorite is uh, 
USS Patterson, and this actually happened. And a guy who bought it was George Patterson. You know, he just bought the cover that had his, had name, his name on, on it. it. Yep. He did a Google, you know, he did an eBay search on his name. So you'll, yeah. So what what you'll do is you'll have that type of collector. And then, again, a lot of times um, I uh, cataloged and sold on eBay a um, collection of Marine caches. Okay, so it had to be U.S. Marines, World War II caches. Didn't matter what the stamp was. The cache had to deal with the Marines. And this man collected that. Well, when he sold his collection, you know, we bought the collection and we put it on eBay to sell. And that would actually go into a lot of different categories when you're listing it because it might be the stamp, it might be the postmark, but it was the cache that he collected. So I think that um, when you're looking for um, items when you're rummaging through the dollar box or if you're um, searching eBay for uh, your topic, um, that people are looking for butterflies as a topic or, I don't know, dragons. Um, I know somebody who collects dragons. Yeah. (laughs) It's really easy because there's not a lot of dragon stamps, but there are some. And, um, but there, there's a lot of different, um, uh, topics that reach across a lot of similar stamps and the better caches tend to be the ones that sell. Well, I will give everybody here trade secrets. So skip ahead so that you don't listen because otherwise you're going to get my secrets. Right. We can't have that. Yeah. But I found, and this is how I listed, you know, many hundreds of uh, Philippine first day covers. And then I price them, you know, really low because it took me zero, like zero effort. And I learned this from Jim Forty. So actually I'm stealing his trade <laughs> secrets, but basically they have document scanners. And a document scanner is like, you know, you want to scan a 100-page book. And so you put it in, and it looks like a fax machine. And it just goes, and it takes pictures of each one. Well, you can use that to scan covers. It's just that they go, um, at the end of each, after one goes through, it'll give you a little warning message. And it'll say, I think two pieces of paper got fed through. Hit here to continue. So basically, instead of it just going, you have to hit a button after each one. But you can scan hundreds of covers in a matter of minutes. Right. So then you have them all scanned. Then you can list them on eBay. And again, I use 6-bit. You copy the same thing, and then you just change the wording a little bit. And I I did this with, you know, my naval covers and stuff listed hundreds of covers in the matter of a couple hours. And exactly like you said, you know, I bought a box of them. I paid hmm, between 25 and 50 cents each. And I put them all up for five bucks. Then after a while, I sold all the ones that are worth five bucks. I lowered the 350. And then I sell all those. Then I lowered it to 250. 
Then I sold all those, and what was left, then I gave free shipping. I didn't lower it below 250 but I gave free shipping. And so I'd say out of several thousand, I maybe have a thousand left. And, you know, a thousand covers that I paid three or four hundred dollars, I've sold for thousands of dollars. Right. And it's a very, very profitable way to sell stuff. Um, like I said, I hope you skipped over this because now you're going to give me competition. <laughs> Everybody out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing uh, on your scanner, too, um, most of scanners, you can set the size of the scan. Because the documents are always different sizes. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't. I, I use an Epson. Oh, okay. And I actually saw this on all of them. It's actually a sale point where they say, if two pages go through, we'll, we'll contact you. We'll say, mm -hmm. hey, hold on. Look, you got so you don't miss anything. It's like, well, I'd actually like you to go ahead and not give me that error <laughs> give me message. A by bypass. Yeah. yeah. And, but they go, no, 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 you don't understand. You really want this. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I really don't. <laughs> well, so, so uh, what you're saying is all the covers that you scan are the same size then? You don't not necessarily. break them down by size? Not necessarily. Uh, but like for first day covers, they all do tend to be the same size. Yeah. So, you know, you put a couple hundred through. And then, you know, you have first day cover and then blank. And so then you load them all up and you go first day cover, dinosaurs, 1972, uh, Marilyn Monroe, 1979. You know, all the, you just add the last little bit of the description and you can list hundreds of covers, very cheap. And since you're listing them very cheap, you give a very cheap price. And since you give a very cheap price, you have a larger sell-through. Right. So that's how I do it. Well, you can scan the covers a lot faster than you can stamps. So that's the oh yeah yeah that's no, the you, important thing. You could not do this way. And again, you know, you wouldn't want to because a stamp you want to sell for like I'm using my finger quotes real money, whereas a first aid cover. You know, you pick up these things really cheap. You're going to sell like, a chicken cover to me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not because it has value, but because it has a chicken that I haven't seen before. Right. So the catalog value on a lot of this stuff is irrelevant. Nobody collects first day covers anymore, really. They want whatever the topic of it is. Now, I have noticed that, you know, the gold foil stamps, those do not feed through. The <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was a way to sell Air those. message, big time. Yeah, I wish there was a way to sell those gold foil stamps because there's a lot of them out there. And people paid a lot of money for them. Yep. Well, that's about it. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah.
Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this silkom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.